Welcome back to Fitness or Fiction. Today, part three of your essential fitness questions answered. Uh, I've been having a good time with these because they're they're questions that they're relatively basic, but that doesn't mean they're not super valuable. Yeah, they definitely still have layers of complexity to them. Interesting to go over. I enjoy it. Yeah, well, hopefully you guys do too. So Today we're going over, is there any essential fitness terminology I need to know? Uh, I'm struggling to get through my workouts. What should I do? And, and I'm sore. And I'm so sore. What should I do when I'm sore? What do I do to get better? Cue the intro. Welcome back to Fitness or Fiction, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the hype of the health and fitness industry. Every week, we dig into a new topic and help you wade through the real information to make solid decisions on your fitness journey. All right, so essential fitness questions. Um, This is question number, what, seven now? Question seven? Correct. Um, The first one that I actually kind of like this question is, is there any essential kind of jargon or vocabulary that I need to know when I'm undertaking a fitness journey. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I don't know, like some of like some stuff that comes to mind, I think might be essential, but it depends to the, uh, if you're just starting your journey, I don't know if it is essential, like as essential as just like working on the basic habits of getting in, trying to get your nutrition unlocked, trying to get your sleep in order. What do you think is essential? When we start talking about vocabulary, it's really like a discussion on what do I need to know to speak about? And like, if we want to take this and make it as simple as possible, which I think we do, mm-hmm. I think I speak for everybody. Um, uh, really, this is something we've talked about a few times. Like the components that we need to take care of are going to be rest, which are going to be like times where you shut off and of course sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to kind of fit well with your recovery. And then the other part of recovery is going to be your diet. So taking care of the amount of food that you're eating first and then breaking that down into where's the food coming from and lastly, the timing. And then outside of that, we start talking about the actual lifting process. And I think that's more what the spirit of this question is. Let's and go over the real jargon, Curtis. BCAA, BAA, <laughs> creatine, glutamine, <laughs> monohydrates, HCLs. Mostly stuff we don't need to think about, right? Yeah. <laughs> like when we start when we start looking about like what's essential jargon, it's like, okay, if we're talking specifically to the gym, which my point earlier is just like, let's, let's do that because we've got our rest and recovery, you know, we've got all that. And then let's talk about the actual exercise component. It's like, okay, you need to have an understanding of intensity. Yeah. So when I say intensity, what does it mean to you? What does intensity mean to me? Yeah. Well, see, and it's like, so like you have your like generic, like RPE scale. Right. And I don't know if RPE is something that people essentially need to know, but it stands for rate of perceived exertion. And it's how well do you perceive yourself to be like on a scale of one to 10, how hard are you trying or how heavy is this weight? How much are you pushing yourself? See, I think that's essential. RPE? I think that your measure of intensity is actually more essential than a lot of things. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, we were inundated on the internet. Oh, you need this exercise. You need that exercise. Well, three exercises to fix your back. And, and these are the best exercises for your biceps. Do this, do this thing to grow your biceps. And I'm not even saying I disagree with any of those. But what I am saying is that 
somebody that's just starting, what they need to be focused on, are, are they getting the right stimulus? Are they actually putting in the input that's going to give them what they want? A defined intensity is definitely more important than a specific exercise like... Totally, yeah. Hey, King, you want to get your chest big? Do cable flies. <laughs> yeah, what? Well, you don't see, like being called King Curtis? No, it's awkward <laughs> for me, yeah. That's like an internet thing. It's like, oh, yucky. <laughs> yucky. <laughs> but, but like when we st- when we start discussing you know, how hard am I working? There's two realms to it. We've talked about this a little bit. Some people think that working hard means they never have to rest when that's in fact the opposite of working hard. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's hard because I never stop and I'm out of breath and whatever. And that's, that's true. But if you can keep going, your, your rate of perceived exertion, your intensity level is going to be like 70% or less. Yeah. And it really depends on the stimulus that you're trying to accomplish. That's right. So when somebody comes into the gym, one of the first things I want them to understand is, okay, that particular set, when you finished, how many repetitions do you think you had left? Hmm. And they're not even going to be close to right when they start, but their sensation over time is going to be that they can do more. Yeah. So they'll work hard, harder naturally because their pain tolerance got better. Their neuro, neurological efficiency, efficiency got better. Mm-hmm. Um, and with all of that stuff happening, it's like, well, yeah, you, you're progressing. That's great. But if we can take somebody and say, listen, you're looking to gain muscle. We're going to do four sets of eight. How hard should it be? Well, let's go with eight, nine, nine and a half, ten. And then they understand, like, I should be kind of working up to my last set being the, the most challenging. And I should probably experience failure. Ten out of ten means if it says eight reps, like, I'm lucky to get eight. Yeah. And if you I do, I probably need more weight next time. Or I need to mind the, the, the tempo better or something like this. Yeah. But, like, for me, that's... I would say that's Essential. a primary importance. RPE, rate of perceived exertion. Yeah. It doesn't need to be defined as that. but Just how hard am I working? Like, yeah. That felt like it was about 90%. Well, that's, what's 90%? I might have been able to do one more. Okay, that is 90%. That's great. RPE is the, the trainer jargon. Yeah, well, yeah. it's good to know that because if you have a standard way of discussing how hard am I working with your coach, I think you can be a lot more locked in on what the actual sensation of the workout was. I have a beard now, so I keep just. It works good when I'm like you're being very thoughtful. Yeah, Yeah. very thoughtful. Tempo, tempo. Do you like tempo being? Tempo is jargon. It's not jargon. It is jargon. People think tempo is just oh yeah, like go down slow and power up and pause at the top. But you know there is tempo. Normally it's like four numbers side by side. Like the eccentric is the way down. Two one one two. Isometric holding in the same spot is the the next one. The concentric the way up is the the third number and then the fourth number is the pause at the top. The isometric at the top. Mm. Understanding things like eccentric, isometric, concentric. It's like eccentric means you're pressing against something but it's moving the opposite direction you're pressing. So on a bench press the weight's coming down but I'm trying to push it up. Or the negative. That's right. Or the negative. I think the the negative is yeah like thinking just positive negative is probably yeah, best for essential. probably easier. Yeah, positive. And then negative. isometric means one, means one measure. So the pause, you can call it a pause. Yeah. And then concentric means with. The weight's moving with the muscle. So you can mm-hmm. say positive and then our pause. I think tempo can be a really great thing, but it's not the only way about it. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'll give people, hey, I want you to do 10 set or 10 reps in this set. But those 10 reps, I want them to take you 40 seconds. So set a timer and that's when your set is over. Yeah, so you don't have to think about it. Yeah, so it kind of lets them shut their brain off, but it also lets me know that they're sticking to it because what do you do right away when things get hard? Most people would move faster. Yeah, it's like when we turned on the tempo coach, it messed us up because that stupid app was just counting at a regular pace and it felt like... So we've been training with tempo on and off on different programs for years and years and years, but I found an app 
like a couple years ago that actually was like a robotic voice that counted those four numbers, counted the positive, the negative, and the pauses, and it made things so much more dirty. Oh, it was dirty. It was like monotonous to listen to this robot voice, but uh, it was it definitely intensified everything. I enjoyed it for a period of time. I don't yeah. use it for everything, but I'll turn it on and off depending yeah, on the day. And the caveat with that is like we should know that like in our exercises there's four phases. That's essential for me. The way you use those four phases, though, I think sometimes it's overdone. Like, the actual driver of most hypertrophy is going to be mechanical tension. So if you overdo the tempos and you're doing them too slow, it's going to limit the amount you can lift, so it'll limit your results. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that's essential to know so that we can identify, like, and this is, here's the intensity I want you to work at. Here's kind of the speed or the time that this set should take you. Mm -hmm. It's good to have kind of guardrails like that up, I think. Yeah. Like in bowling. Yeah. So I win every time. There we go. So we have tempo, we have intensity or RPE, some yeah, defined measure. Absolutely. You see other, anything else is essential there, Chad? Other essential fitness jargon. I think you could talk about different set types, like superset and triset and things like that. Yeah, but no, you're right. Like, it's one of these things. It's a where revolutionary technique, Curtis, to get results in the gym, and it's called supersets. It's insanity. That's what, like, see, that's something that I've encountered though in the fitness magazines. Like, it's like, oh, celebrity trainer of Dwayne the Rock Johnson got the rock results for Black Item with a revolutionary technique called supersets. And it's like, it's not revolutionary. It's just two exercises back well, to back. If you've if you've listened to our podcast at ever ever at all before, I think that you know that most of the stuff that you see is trying to market something to you. And it's not usually marketing total garbage. Sometimes it is. But most of the time, they're just trying to get you excited about something that actually makes sense, which somebody can say revolutionary, the train, tool of the champions, like whatever they want to the say. The secret like, they yeah. don't want you to know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this this is one of those things that it's like, no, I want you to know that. That's good. Like, this isn't just miscarriage. This is really good stuff. Like, so the marketing that's behind this stuff is, it actually does carry weight sometimes. They're just trying to get you excited about it. And I'm okay with that. But like, when we start talking about, I have a problem with time, which is over 70% of respondents to most surveys. Um, if you have a t problem with time, then just doing straight sets and sitting there in between is tough. Straight set being one exercise, you do That's your right. sets, then move on to the next exercise and finish your sets. Which fits into our essential jargon. What is a straight set versus a superset versus more? I actually don't even care what you call it. It's like your understanding of am I doing one, two, three, or more things in a row uh, is a really important thing. In CrossFit, sometimes they'll call like a big circuit that you're not allowed to do the next thing yet uh, until you finish the reps on the first one, a chipper. I don't really care about buy in, buy out. Yeah, I don't really care about all the jargon or anything. But you need to have an understanding that the way that your workout is going to be put together is going to be this kind of setup of well, are we doing one at a time or are we doing more than one at a time and why? And I think one of the best things we can go over today is, you know, what's the essential things you need to know? What am I targeting? What am I actually targeting? Not just the exercise itself, but the intensity. Like am I doing okay, I'm on eight sets of eight. Which set should I fail on? Well, the last one. What should it feel like? You should feel really, really pumped. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So what adaptation am I looking for? Well, we're looking to get your muscles to hold more carbohydrates. That's why we're doing local stimulus, really isolated stuff. Cool. These are the things that let you know that your program is well thought out. So it's, it's important. Mm -hmm. So supersets. How do you go about supersets? It depends on what I'm trying to accomplish. I used to call supersets being like uh, protagonist supersets or antagonist supersets being like same muscle group, like you superset a chest and a chest back to back. 
or some people do a posing where they do like a chest and a back or a push and a pull, a bicep and a tricep. Yeah, you can you can do or you just sy- go completely random. You can go like a chest and a calf. Yeah, well, if you're going for systemic, meaning I'm trying to get my body to use carbohydrates better and and get my uh, cardiovascular health up, you could do a systemic superset or triset where it's like, yeah, I'm going to do big, medium, small muscle group. So I'll do uh, quads, pecs, triceps, or mm-hmm. quads, pecs, biceps. So I don't have anything interfere with each other's performance, right? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of ways to go about it, but you just need to have an understanding of why. And it's pairing multiple exercises together, but don't do it completely at random. There should be some method to the madness. Yeah. Well, and you're going to need to plan out what the next workout is so that you're not super messed up for your next workout and things like this. But I think when we, when we say intensity, tempo, and then the way you're putting your sets together is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then really after that, the essential stuff to know is execution. And execution is how am I going to get my body moving? And some of the essential jargon for execution is, I would say, full foot contact. What does it look like to keep my foot centered on the ground? Uh, that'll stop the knees from caving in or going unduly out. Mm-hmm. Um, what does a neutral spine mean? That's very important. Yeah. And then um, what are the different shoulder positions is actually a really nice one as well. But if you have those three basics as far as execution, you're, you're pretty far ahead, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So do you want to get into those more so, or we just kind of leaving it there? Well, we could. Do you want to get into it? I'm into it. Lightly. So full foot contact is one that I think is good. When I talk about full foot contact, I talk about the foot as like a tripod. If you see it on the YouTube, <laughs> yeah. like one, two, and three being like your three points of contact. Um, but like, how do you maintain that, like that contact? Yeah. So the big thing that I like to do is simplify that as much as possible. So I think about the big knuckle of your big toe, it's called your metatarsal phalangeal joint. Really weird. Uh, but anyways, the, the big thing we're looking for is to have pressure on the big knuckle of the big toe and then pressure on the outside of the heel. And that'll help you keep the whole tripod. Mm -hmm. Um, the idea on this is that if we want to keep our foot in contact with the floor, that's a super important thing because it is our connection to the floor. Yes. But if we don't have really good activation and control of your, your foot, it changes the way that the muscles uh, above your foot act. Mm-hmm. For instance, when you see somebody, the outside of their heel starting lifting off the ground, what happens first? Their knee goes in. Yeah. Their arch flattens, their knee goes in. It runs up the whole chain. That's right. That means that their glute can no longer work and the inside of their leg is overworking. And that's because the lateral side of the foot didn't make contact anymore. So... What I like to do with full foot contact is like if you're drawing around your foot, like tracing it, it should have equal pressure on all sides. How do we do that? Big knuckle, big toe, outside of the heel. If those two have 50-50 pressure, everything's going to be great. And if you notice that's changing when you're squatting and you rectify it, you'll be like, wow, my knees feel better. Yeah. Like it, it's a big, big impact. Yeah. But I, I kind of have a thing where I don't like it when people coach and get the knees out because it's not really their fault. It's usually the foot. Sometimes the hip, but usually the foot. Mm-hmm. And then when we get into the back, when we talk about neutral spine, I've asked trainers this question for years. I'm like, okay, what position should our spine be at when we're lifting? They say neutral. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's not always true though. Like hollow body holds, we don't want neutral spine. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that we wouldn't, but it's usually a different loading parameter. So if we have <sighs> weight on our back, we want neutral spine. And it's like, okay, well, how do you identify that? Yeah, how do, you, how do you get somebody to find neutral spine? And the best way you can consider it is like if you have your belt on your pelvis, if you think about holding water inside of that without it pouring out either side, um, that's going to establish a really good spot. And then um, 
having your ribs nice and even, which is usually about your sternum pointing back about 30 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we have even ribs and uh, even hips and then stack them right on top of each other, that'll bring you into what is neutral for you. Yeah. And that's a good place to learn how to brace and control. It's not the only thing you need. Like I always tell people, yeah, if you think that you can never leave neutral, you don't understand the spine. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, go put your shoes on for me for a second. It's like nobody keeps neutral spine doing that. And you're not loaded. You shouldn't have to. Yeah. But the spine does need to move just when we're under load. It really shouldn't. Yeah. And then when it, when it comes to the shoulder, I think a really good thing for people to understand is where their scapula is at. So, you know, protraction, reaching forward, elevation is up. So just forward, up, back, and down. So protraction, elevation, retraction, depression. You don't need to know all that jargon, but forward, up, back, and down. If you can figure out which each of those is and have control over them, then you can identify what am I trying to do? So in a row, I can say, yeah, I can protract, reach forward. And as I pull, I'll retract and I can move it. But if, if you don't have that, it's going to be really hard to execute well. Yeah. So this is all kind of boils down to that really big jargon that most people wouldn't even consider like proprioceptive feedback or knowing where your body is without needing to look in a mirror or without a coach needing to tell you like, oh, you're in a good position. Like you should just be able to feel that you're in a good position and having that proprioceptive feedback, whether it's about your foot, shoulder or back, if you don't have that and you're just trying to wing your workouts by yourself, in my opinion, it can be dangerous. And that's where guys typically get injured. I be myself like 12 years ago. Yeah. Uh, doing heavy squats, definitely not like, didn't have any of those cues, any star, you know, like I've seen, I know you've seen it too in the gym where guys like see two or three buddies go to hit the squat rack and just start doing squats and knees are caving in and feet are collapsing and they're just trying to go down. They're not even breaking 90, but they got 200 pounds on their back and they shouldn't even have 65 on their back. Like, and then I've walked up to guys who've had training, who are training their buddies. And I'm like, bro, why are you letting your buddy do this? Like, you know what good form should look like. So why are you letting your friend get away with this? You want your buddy to be injured? Well, I think the the overall intention of exercise needs to be talked about. And it'll wrap this whole thing up really good. Uh, what is the overall intention? I would actually say that you'd be, you'd be really well um, backed up to say that the overall intention is awareness. Because as you're aware of more control, you can create more tension. And as you create more tension, you can be stronger. As you can move more load in less periods of time, you can actually accomplish more results. So it ends up being a really good conversation when it's like, well, what am I trying to do here? You're trying to increase the awareness of what's going on in your body so you can execute better. Yeah. And And people get too caught up in just the aesthetics or the strength. I want to get stronger right now. I want aesthetics right now rather than... You know, how do you explain like well, this is your foundation if you want to climb, smooth, if you climb that here's the first 10 handholds yeah you know like this is the scaffolding to allow you to get up that mountain well like yeah there was an old term like i used to say like slow is smooth smooth is fast if you start off slow oh, yeah. that turns into smoothness and smoothness will turn into speed you'll yeah. start climbing in your journey very very quickly yeah i've had a lot of people over the years be like well when somebody's good at olympic lifting it looks simple i'm like yes yeah. They're fast and they're proficient, so it looks simple. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. So the next one is, we kind of already kind of dabbled this. I think that question's sealed. That's Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good start to it. We can deal with it more if anybody wants us to. Yeah, so question number two or number eight is my workout. I can't get through my workouts. What do I do? So what do you think that actually means? Do you think it's like a motivation thing or like I'm, or a physio- physiological thing? Because maybe we should break it apart in two realms. Maybe talk about like the 
the motivation, mental time, or motivational physiological. Thing. Yeah, it's probably all of it. Yeah. Probably your program's not the right program for you. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, like if we break that apart, like in my experience, I see a lot of people overcommitting too. When I go to sit down, you've had this as well. Yeah. Overcommitment. Like, how many days a week do you want at your program? Six days a week. And it's like, after well, six days a week, why don't we start with three? See where we go. Even if you can do your three day program in your six day. Like, yeah. So, overcommitment, under motivation, undertrained, underprepared. Well, biting off more than you can chew is a tough thing because you could choke. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, one of the things is look at this as a staircase. Like what's the next step? I'm not trying to get to the top of the staircase today. And if I am, usually I'm going to take a big jump and not make it. So the big deal that I'm looking for here is like, what is the first step? What's the most important, lowest hanging fruit? Well, the habit. Uh, one of my clients, Dr. Jarvis, he's, he's killing it right now. And the big thing with him is that I just got him going once a week. And then we went twice a week. And then all of a sudden he's on his twice a week program. He's like, Hey, can you give me four? I've been consistent with four the last three weeks. Yes, I can. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's great. Um, but like this slow build and following where your motivation is at is a super important concept here. Um, so not, not biting off more than you can choose is a big deal. And if you're finding yourself in your workouts and you can't focus because you have other stuff to do, it might be that you've just, even though times per week are right, it could be that you're just taking too long per workout. Mm -hmm. Maybe it needs to be half hour, right? Yeah. And if that's the case, then try to adjust to what fits instead of fighting like swimming with the river allows you to get to the river bank yeah. swimming against it tires you up yeah right so you know one of the things is we need to bite off the right amount at a, at a time because mentally it's going to be hard to overcome that yeah the other thing is do you have an understanding of how that is working towards your goal I love it when a client says, can you explain this phase to me? I love it because it takes me about three minutes to say, here's some of the high-end stuff that I'm, that I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about your time, your equipment, your current phase based on what you did before. And then I'm starting to think about where we're at as far as motivation and engagement. Um, so, you know, I chose this amount of time for the following reasons. I'm choosing variations this time that are overloaded in this position because this is the phase we're on. And once people have an understanding of why they're doing it, their ability to engage goes way up. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, hey, oh, the revolutionary superset. It's like, well, what they're trying to do is get your buy-in to do something that's good for you. Mm -hmm. And I can get behind that. Yeah. When it comes to the mentality, what else do you think is involved there? I don't know what you mean. So, like, I'm, getting a, I'm having a hard time getting through my workouts just because of, like, I just have a hard time getting motivated. I have a... I'm just having a hard time doing it. And I think getting through my workouts means like they've got to the place. So what else do you think can go wrong that would make somebody feel that way? Um, well, I definitely, like we were speaking to somebody earlier, that's the gym is intimidating. So they might uh, be poking around and moving slower. Timing rest is one. Maybe it's just not the right program for you or maybe it wasn't explained to you so you don't... Uh, you don't buy into actually what you're doing. Like I've, I've had um, I've had programs that have been built for me that uh, are like zero zero fun, if you will. I don't enjoy it at all. And if I don't enjoy it, I'm not gonna do it. There you go. I, I, there's definitely a piece. It doesn't all have to be fun, but at least a piece of it's got to be. You know what I mean? As yeah. to how much, I don't know. You can that depends on the person. But like for me, like if I'm not like having at least fifty percent of the stuff I enjoy, if it's all just stuff that makes me miserable 
probably not going to get done that efficiently. Yeah, I, I think providing feedback for that can really buy you out of a lot. But you said something there that I like too that was um, maybe it's timing rest periods. Maybe it's logistics. I like that. Yeah. That could really be, you know, for people, it's like, oh, I just don't feel like I can do it. Well, I had somebody that I sent a workout that had 12 exercises. Seems like it's big, but it's only three sets and they're all supersetted. So very little so rest. It should take them should take them in the neighborhood of 50 minutes. Well, logistics-wise, when I started as a trainer, um, some trainers use stopwatches around their neck and some kind of just eyeballed the clock. You've seen those little gym boss timers we got. If you oh, went yeah. on Amazon and just searched gym boss, you'll find a little nice little timer that kind of clips to your belt and it vibrates and it beeps. That really made my workouts more efficient for me to actually get through them, but also make sure I was providing myself the proper stimulus to like stimulate hypertrophy and get stronger and uh, bigger because... It just kept me much more honest. And it, the log- logistics of it also helped with, uh, like, I used to listen to loud music in my headphones, and that timer would vibrate so I could feel the zzz. I didn't have to sit there and stare at it and wonder, like, when it's go time. But, you know, doing three sets of bench press with four to five-minute break is a hell of a lot different than doing three to four sets of bench press with 60-second breaks. Huge difference. Yeah, I think getting through your workouts um, as far as logistics, that can be a big deal. Like, I really like Gym Boss because you can set the amount of time you should be working and resting. Yeah, and, it really, and then set the rounds. Yeah, it really changes it because some people that use a stopwatch, they spend so much time getting set up and everything. It's like 45 seconds of setup. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it beeps and you should be working. Yeah. So I think that makes a, a big difference for me. You know, when it when it comes to the physiological side, if somebody's having a physiological difficulty getting through their workout, that usually means that it's like, oh, I just don't feel like I can, like my energy dips or I, I don't feel like I can recover or things like this. What would you say to that person? Well, I've experienced that myself. For me, that was a little bit of meal timing or nutrient timing. I had to carb up before workouts and I had to carb up after workouts. That's just like, I have a fast metabolism. You know, everyone's a little bit different, but uh, like if I did a big workout, I'd be dead after and I had to work after. You know, we'd work out like 2 to 4 p.m. and I was smoked after. So I would need like at least 100 grams of carbs pre and 100 grams of carbs post. And I found that made me feel my best. Like before and after workouts, I had pure energy. So it might be an energy thing that people aren't like balancing their food out properly or their rest or hydration. Yeah, you're like Tyrese from Fast and the Furious too. We hungry (laughs) because I got a fast metabolism. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that the amount of food that you're eating is a really important contributor to the way that you perform. Sometimes it can be timing again, where it's like, what time of day am I best? Because for me, I'm really great anytime afternoon, but before noon, I have a really hard time getting my butt going. Yeah. We chatted about this. I'm used to working out at 2 PM. That's when I can perform my best, but I like getting it done earlier. Now, if I can get it done at 10, it makes me feel better for my adult life. So I can continue adulting adulting tasks but if i'm not adulting and it's a day off and i'm not stressed and i don't got a lot on my plate i'd rather work out at like two to three right crush way harder yeah i think that can be a big deal and then the other thing is if sometimes your program is just a little bit overreaching and that's okay like i have clients that are like oh you put i need to do this many chin-ups and i just don't feel like i can do that that many sets in a row it's like listen hold to your rest time and give me what reps you can and report them and then i'll adjust it for you yeah but I need to know what you're capable of right now so I can adjust to it. And that's really important because then down the road, you can see how far you've come as well, which will help you get through your workouts. I think a part of that too, the part of that conversation is approaching your workouts with a little bit of humility and humbleness because people's ego gets hit if they can't actually do either what was prescribed or what they think they should be capable of doing. They're like, Agreed. oh yeah, I could do 10, I could do three sets of 10 chin-ups, but not to the rest time you can't. 
like to the rest time, all of a sudden you do 10 and then you do six and then you do three. Yeah. Um, and then you need to eat a slice of humble pie and that's okay. But like, you just have to be able to eat that pie first and to actually be able to progress rather than just back off of it because you can't totally. stick to it. Yeah. So that's a piece. That's absolutely a piece. As far as getting through your workout, sometimes I think another thing is that it could be a relational thing. Like if you're in your head and you're having a hard time, sometimes you just need some support, man. And for me, I often invite friends to join my workout still because I know I work harder. Mm-hmm. It's more enjoyable. I work harder. Those are two big data points. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it just involves having somebody else around that's going through the same thing as you. And P.S., that's how you build good friendships. Mm-hmm. Like going through the same stuff, That that's... 101 on how do I make a friend? I think most people do better with a workout partner provided ego is left at the door. I find ego to just be uh, like a slayer of relationships, man. It just like it can just rub salt in wounds. You know, like if I worked out with you right now and I'm like, oh, I'm not as strong as you though, Curtis. Oh, like, oh, da, da, da. like I can either get really down on myself or like you can pick me up. Like depends who you're with and who you're working out. Like you need good people to work out with too. Yeah, they got to be a good fit for you for sure. But I'm, I'm a big believer in having somebody go through it with you is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I've made a lot of really good relationships just working out with people. So, all right, third question. I'm sore. So soreness, tell me about soreness. What would you say about soreness? Suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how sore should you be would be a good conversation. Um, You know, I don't think, I think a lot of the time people will get destroyed in the first, maybe the first week of the program or maybe the first time you just start working out. It's pretty much to be expected. Like if you haven't worked out for a year and you go to the gym and you work out, chances are you're going to be a little more wrecked than what you should be. But I promise you, it's not going to stay that way. Is soreness a good indicator of effectiveness? Absolutely not. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think so. But I appreciate some soreness just like I think a lot of people do. It is nice. It's it's nice feedback. I understand wanting to know that you did something and I enjoy that too, but... It's not the only metric for success, and that's, a, that's an important thing to understand, but this is, you know, I'm too sore is what the, the question sounds like. You know, how do I I'm deal with it sore. when I'm super sore? Should I roll my muscles? Should I whatever? Um, for me, there's a couple things that you can do. Number one, make sure that you're having enough protein. Well, and now, like, how do we perceive I'm so sore that I can't move? Like, again, because everyone has a different perception of pain tolerance. And, like, should it be three days or should it be seven days? Like, I've been yeah. sore for seven days. Well, you know, at the end of the day, if you are sore, don't think that you're just going to get a massage and everything's going to get better. What you should likely do is some recovery cardio. That's long, slow. Yeah, that's a good answer. Right? I didn't that goes, have that, in my that head. goes a long way, some long, slow cardio. Um, and then you could do some contrasting if you wanted and absolutely make sure that your diet is good. And when I say, is your diet good, are you having enough food? There's too many people that are trying to lose weight that aren't eating enough. To recover, yeah. I've trained... A few people in my year or a years. A couple, couple five. A couple, like three or four. Out of those people, though, the ones who, like, perceive less soreness all the time, even if I think that they're sore, I'm like, oh, man, I hammered this person today and they had good effort. Like, the effort that I wanted, I bet you they're going to be sore and they're not sore. It's often attributed to them doing, like, an hour of cardio that night, being like, oh, like, the people I find who just do steady-state cardio – uh, sprinkled throughout their week or after their workouts or after like 10, six hours later, cardio is a game changer for soreness. Yeah, outside of four hours from the workout, um, doing 20 minutes plus of just relaxed cardio, like slow, steady state, goes a long way. So in my opinion, that is not jogging. That is like inclined walking or steady bicycling. Like yes. just, you have a light sweat and you're breathing, but you are not like 
exerting, really. Yeah, you just like, like picked up your you heart can, rate. You can still have a nice, comfortable conversation without having to take pauses to breathe. Yeah, so definitely if you take anything away, cardio will help with your soreness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think duration of soreness is important. I think like by after 72 hours, you should be coming around the bend of recovery. Yeah, you definitely if, should. If after 72 hours, like I've seen it, I felt it like five, five days of soreness, like you might have overdid it. And it starts getting to be that you, it's just a bit too much. Yeah. So, you know, 48 to 72 hours of mus- muscular soreness is to be expected. If you're doing cardio, expect less, I think is a really good one. Foam rolling for soreness. I don't think it's kind of been from what we've researched. It's not the all in be all to enhance recovery as much as you might hope yeah what was the number it was like 90 seconds of it can help get some blood circulation it's like man that's like an increased range for like four minutes and then you'll snap back to where you were exactly so it's a it's a pain it's a pain response that you get from it mostly but you know squishing your tissues down is going to get new blood in there new capillarization so that could be a small portion of it but you'd you'd be better served to do contrasting like hot and cold yeah hydration yeah cardio Ice baths? Do you like ice baths? Well, that that fits in with contrasting, but you don't want to do ice ice baths too close to your workout because it'll stop all the byproducts that actually cause the changes, right? So it's it's one of those things. And there's a a bunch of research that says that. So when somebody finishes a workout and goes straight into an ice bath, I'm always like... I like ice baths for a different purpose and it's not for to recover from my workout. It's more like the neurological stress. And like there's a lot more reasons to take an ice bath that's just like to try to help with the soreness um, that we can get into in another day. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I don't think ice ice baths are really the the key fix, but I wanted to throw it in there. Epsom salt baths? Yeah, those can help, man. There's magnesium in those. That's a natural muscle relaxer. You like the magnesium? Magnesium at night's a good idea. Yeah. But like when when we look at it, you know, Get your diet in check. Make sure you have enough water. Do some steady state cardio. And, like, you sit still. It's going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, if you baby it, it gets worse. If you walk with a cane, you develop a limp. hey if, if you baby it, yeah. So, I think that's our three essential questions answered today. Absolutely. End of the day, there is some, ju- some jargon that helps you understand what to do in the gym. You know, we should understand what intensity looks like, what execution looks like, and kind of the logistics of putting a workout together. You should have some understanding there. Um, getting through your workouts can be a lot of different things, mental, sociological. It can be um, actually just logistic. And then, of course, getting into our last piece is, is just a matter of, you know, am I responding to how my body's feeling with soreness? Am I doing what I should do? Yeah. But these are all good questions. They're they're not super complex, but there's a lot more to them than they'd, it would seem on the face value. Yeah, simple but not easy. If you guys like this episode, remember to hit like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Talk about Curtis's biceps. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate your support. If you enjoy this episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, follow, and throw us a like on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts.